Swing and a drive. Deep to left center field. Going. Going. Goodbye baseball. This is Extra Innings. Fastball swing and a miss. Strike three. That's going to retire the side. Seattle sports goes inside the Mariners with more stories, insights, and analysis than you'll find anywhere. Drilled up the middle. Oh, what a catch by J.P. Crawford. Step in the batter's box in the top of the tent right now. Now the pitch. Swing, line drive, right field. This should do it. Caballero's coming to third base, and he can crawl home. This is all the way up to the wall, and Cal Raleigh wins it in the 10th inning for the Mariners. One to nothing. The Mariners take down the Yankees tonight in Seattle. You love to see it. Cal Raleigh with the walk-off single yesterday in extra innings to help the Mariners beat the Yankees one to nothing and get at least one of that three-game series and capping off a 10-game homestand with a 7-3 and record. Curtis Rogers with you tonight here on Mariners Extra Innings. It's been a while. It's been almost two weeks since we've last convened here on an off day. And look, the Mariners are, are two games above five hundred. They finished off, like I said, a 7-3 and homestand. You look at their record right now, 29-27. and Last year, they did not get their 29th win until June 17th. So they're a couple weeks ahead of their pace a year ago. And, and yet, it is a weird spot because you look at the totality of the American League right now, and it is a gauntlet, uh, to put it lightly, for every team in the American League, not just the Mariners, but there are just so many competitive ball clubs uh, across the AL right now. It is going to be tough sledding for not just the Mariners, but for everyone going forward here in this 2023 season, especially as we head into the summer months uh, where we're going to see a lot of jockeying for position across the AL. Curtis Rogers with you until 9 o'clock here on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network tonight. We've got a lot of fun guests coming your way. Mike Lefko, pinch hitting for Brandon Gustafson. Brandon, a well-deserved vacation. Uh, so Mike will stop by at 7.15. And then also Kennedy Land who covers the Rangers for MLB.com. She will join me coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll also take a listen to some of the best conversations we have heard throughout the day, throughout the week here on Seattle Sports pertaining to the Mariners. That's all coming your way over the course of the next two hours. But as we do with each and every edition of Extra Innings, we start off with three up, three down. And who could you be more up on right now than one Julio Rodriguez? Julio to lead things off. Herman delivers, swinging a shot. Deep to left field, going and going and goodbye, baseball. Line drive, home run by Julio. His 10th of the season. It's now the Yankees 4 and the Mariners 2. And I'm telling you, that thing was shot out of a cannon. Julio touches home plate, 4-2 ball game. The Mariners' offense looks completely different when Julio is on, and that is what he has been throughout the course of the last 10 games, taking home last week's American League Player of the Week honors. He is playing right now like the All-Star, like the Rookie of the Year that he was a year ago, and that changes everything for this ball club. It changes everything for the ceiling of this ball club. When Julio is playing like the superstar that we know he is, then everything becomes a possibility for this Mariners ball club. I mentioned that the Mariners are are essentially two weeks ahead of their pace a year ago. Obviously, they turned it on in a big way in the second half last season. But if they want to improve upon last year, which, I mean, is not out of the realm of possibility, we are still... 
June starts today. Like, we still have June, July, August, and September. There are four months left in this season. But if the Mariners ultimately want to get to where they want to go, and that is a return trip to the postseason and probably a little bit more than that, probably a lot bit more than that, it's going to be because of Julio Rodriguez. And I am very much up on Julio right now and what he has been doing with this offense, how he has been just an, a huge catalyst out of that three spot right now. I think that's a good spot for him in this order because he gets you know at-bats in the first inning. He still is getting nearly as many at-bats as he used to when he was batting leadoff. Uh, he's your best bat when he is going, and and that is a great thing to see right now for this Mariners ball club. One thing, though, I am down on, and that is facing Aaron Judge, and I'm so glad the Mariners don't have to see him for quite a while uh, in this 2023 season because that guy, uh, he puts the fear of God into everybody when he has a bat in his hand. And you know what? I am quite all right with you know not having to face him for a couple months. I thought the decision last night – to intentionally walk him in extra innings was the exact perfect decision made by Scott Service. You could not, <laughs> you do not want to face him with any sort of runner in scoring position. He might be the most dangerous bat in baseball right now, and, and he is just tearing the cover off the ball. He is ahead of his pace in home runs from a year ago when he hit an American League record, 62 of them uh, in the 2022 season. So I am down on facing Aaron Judge in any capacity. I say you just give him four wide every single time. One guy I am up on for the Mariners, and I was up on him last time we had an extra innings. And look, last night's performance further further drove home my take that I think George Kirby is going to be the best pitcher on this Mariners pitching staff last night. He was dominant with eight shutout innings. The windup and the one-two on the way. Swing and a miss. Strike three and a fastball. Down goes Higashioka. That is strikeout number seven for George Kirby. He has been absolutely sensational tonight here at home against the Yankees. George Kirby is dealing in a way that we have not had, you know, here in in Seattle in a long time. And he is, you know, what, 24, 25 years old. And the command of somebody that is 35, 36 years old, uh, he is just a a joy to watch. And he may not... You know, have the over-the-top emotions of some of the games. You know, more more out there personalities and whatnot. But if you're looking for a guy who's just efficient in his work on the mound, look no further than George Kirby. Absolutely hates walks, and he loves striking people out, and he's doing both of those things this season. Only six walks through. You know, we're starting June now. Uh, Rob Friedman, a.k.a. Pitching Ninja, he was on with us the last time we had an extra innings, and he already considers George Kirby an ace. I consider him an ace. I I actually had him as a a dark horse Cy Young candidate before the year. I love his mentality, and I think people sleep on his stuff. They know his command, but don't realize he can come close to touching 100. Um, And he has touched 100 before, he told me, in, in college. So, it's not like he's just throwing it. He's not like he's Greg Maddox. He's Greg Maddox plus 10 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, he, he absolutely can be an ace. Great, great mind for pitching. And I'm just a big fan. Greg Maddox plus 10 miles an hour. I know a lot of people heard that comparison, and they're like, oh, Greg Maddox is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. How could you dare compare him? And, well, I mean, obviously, Kirby's going to have a, a 
long way to go to even touch the resume of Greg Maddox. But simply stuff-wise and command and being able to hit his spots and attack the strike zone, I mean, Kirby has done that in a big way this season. And it was great to see him bounce back from that tough start he had against the Pirates last Friday, uh, coming up with a big, huge moment last night you know going eight shutout innings against a Yankee lineup that had really taken it to the Mariners putting 10 runs on the board in back-to-back nights you didn't know if you know they had figured something out with the Mariners pitching staff or whatnot but George Kirby uh, definitely has that dog in him Scott Service very complimentary of his right-handed ace oh he's about ready to rip somebody's head off every inning it's on yeah, he he was ready to go, uh, really from the first pitch, and you saw it. That's a good a fastball as I've seen him ever have um, tonight. Of course, he's always got the ability to locate it, but uh, just the extra the extra gear on it is what I would call it. The four seamer up late uh, for the final out against a good fastball hitter uh, to to strike out uh, you know their catcher and and just the whole game was uh, masterful uh, what he was able to do uh, with that kind of stuff. Now I mentioned Kirby may not have the outward emotion of a lot of great pitchers, but he definitely. It has the intensity of those great pitchers. You look at his uh, start last year in Game 3 of the American League Division Series against the Astros. I remember him going seven shutout innings, striking out, I believe it was Jose Altuve, to end the seventh, and him just letting out a roar after that strikeout. You could see it last night after he struck out Higashioka to end the eighth inning. That roar was there. And George Kirby has just such a, a calmness to him. I feel like his resting heart rate is probably like 35 beats per minute, which is a great thing. But he can dial it up, man. He has such an intensity to him. Uh, and I I just love, love, love watching him pitch, and especially when he is on like he was last night. One thing, though, I am down on, actually the second thing I am down on, and we talked about it a little bit to open the show, is just the depth of the American League and, and how it is going to work against the Mariners. Look, the Mariners are two weeks ahead of their pace a year ago, and yet they're six and a half back of the Rangers. They have an opportunity to gain some ground this weekend, um, but you're six and a half back. You've got the Angels ahead of you, the Astros ahead of you, the Rangers ahead of you. That's just in the American League West race. You look at the rest of the division, you look at the rest of the league right now, we're talking about a, a league right now that is just so incredibly deep. You've got the Orioles, the Yankees, the Astros. Those would be the wild card teams right now. The Angels, the Blue Jays. You've got the Mariners in there. You've got the Red Sox also thrown in there. There is what? 10 teams above 500 in the American League. 10 of the 15 teams are above 500 in the American League. Now, you look at the lay of the land. If the Mariners were in the American League Central, they'd be in first place. Unfortunately, that's just not the case. But they haven't had many opportunities to play the American League Central this season. Uh, They played the Guardians to start the year, and then they had a series against the Tigers, but they've yet to see the Royals, they've yet to see the Twins, and they've yet to see the White Sox. So we'll see if the Mariners can load up on those games. It makes those games against the lesser teams, against the teams like Oakland and Kansas City and Chicago, it makes those games even more important because you get less opportunities against them this year with how many interleague games you're playing with how many games you're playing uh, outside of your division you've got to load up and on those weaker opponents in order to pad your your resume and you look at the Mariners right now uh, if we'll get to it 
actually, let's get to it right now. The, the next thing I'm up on is the month of May for the Mariners. They finished with a record of 17 and 11, good for a 607 win percentage throughout the month. Now, I, I said I'm up on it. Let's take a look at that 17 and 11 record. You take away the seven games they played against the A's, the seven wins, the Mariners went 10 and 11. But the beauty of those games is that they cannot be taken away. And and there was a, a talking point that I saw a lot throughout Mariners' Twitter, throughout Mariners' social media. is like, oh, these are just games against the A's. Like, how good can the Mariners be? But you know what? What did you want them to do in those games against Oakland? Like, you wanted them to lose? Like, no, you wanted them to go 7-0. and That's exactly what they did, sweeping them in Oakland and sweeping them here in Seattle. Like They took care of business against a bad Oakland A's team and had a very good record to end the month of May. Uh, an exact opposite record, basically, of what they were last year in 2022. The Mariners went 17-11 and in May this year. Last year, they went 10-18 and in May. And that was a big reason why they fell in that hole where they were 10 games below 500 at 29-39. and Now, they're 29-27. and So... They are in a much better position record-wise. I don't know if they're in a much better position standing-wise, but you cannot take away those A's games. And Let's look at it like this, too. If you sweep the A's over all 13 games this season, you got six more against Oakland the rest of the way, and you go 500 against the rest of baseball, you're looking at about an 88-win team. Now, 88 wins in the American League this season – I don't know if that's going to get you to a wild card spot. I think you're going to have to break at least 90, maybe get closer to 92, 93 if you want a real shot at getting to the wild card just because there's so many good teams. You look at Houston, they are the third wild card right now behind New York and behind Baltimore. Uh, now, we're still month of June. There's going to be a lot of movement over the course of the summer. Uh, Houston, I think, is playing better ball, too, right now. So who knows if they even have a wild card spot. They may end up taking the American League West. But this Texas team that the Mariners are going to be playing here this weekend, uh, they're a really good ball club. So uh, that's one thing that I am up on and I'm down on to finish off with strikeouts. Four Mariners in the top 15 in strikeouts in the American League, Teoscar Hernandez, Eugenio Suarez, Julio Rodriguez, and Jared Kelnick. they got to cut down on those if they want to really get this offense going. Those are balls that are not being put in play. Got to put the ball in play if you want this Mariners offense to look like the best version of itself. Coming up in this hour, we'll take a listen to what Tim Kirkjian had to say with Bump and Stacy this week on Seattle Sports. But up next, Mike Lefko, fellow pre and postgame host. He will join me to talk about the Mariners homestand that was and this upcoming road trip. Don't go anywhere. This is Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings Inside the Mariners. On the home of the Mariners. Seattle Sports. Welcome back into Extra Innings. It's the best segment on radio at 7.15 p.m. on Mariners Off Days. Normally we've got Brandon Gustafson, but he's somewhere in the Rocky Mountains right now. Hopefully he's he's well. I'm sure he's tuning in. But we've got Mike Lefko, fellow pre- and post-game show host, joining me here on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Mike, how are you this evening? Well, I've just been dying to get on because, like you said, <laughs> it's the best, the best segment on radio. So I keep asking and I keep saying, well, can we kick Brandon out of here? Okay, well, we got him on vacation. Good slide my way in and uh, chime in on the best segment on radio on a Mariners off night. Yeah, you're like a hermit crab. Normally, Brandon's holding this down, but the the second he is gone, uh, I, I had to hit you up because, look, uh, this, this segment has a, a very big 
duty to uphold, and we're going to do it over the course of the next uh, 10 minutes here on Extra Innings. But, Mike, speaking of Extra Innings, you had Extra Innings last night going into the 10th. We've got Extra Innings tonight. What are you doing with all these this abundance of innings? Wow, uh, so many innings. <laughs> don't, don't have a lot of time now with all this extra innings <laughs> eating it up. Yeah, um, you know, what, what's reassuring, Curtis, and what's interesting about this recent stretch for the Mariners is they're kind of getting back to that – I don't know if you can call it a, a familiar chaos, but they're getting back to what we've known out of this team and what they did so well to make that playoff run. And all of a sudden, you look, and after the game last night, that's four straight extra inning wins, which kind of also highlights the fact that they lost their first five extra inning games of the season. <laughs> but now the Mariners have started to, at least in that aspect, figure it out. And that was something that defined that team last year. And I guess, you know, you've probably been wondering, I've been wondering it, where is that uh, clutch bat, that key guy, the key play that's going to give them a, ga- a win in a situation like this? And it came through last night, and it was Cal Raleigh, or it's been a few other guys this year. It was Suarez over the weekend. But now two of your last four games going to extra innings, and you have found those guys who have delivered the big hit, and at least that stabilizing of getting back to what we're used to seeing out of these Mariners that's a good and familiar feeling. It really is. Uh, you mentioned it last night, Raleigh, with the walk-off. Sunday, you had Gino with the walk-off. Uh, you had Gino with the walk that gave the Mariners a one-run mm-hmm. lead, which they held on yeah. to against Oakland to finish off that series. A 7-3 and homestand, four wins against the A's, two wins against the Pirates, one against the Yankees. Uh, obviously, you, you stack up your wins against the A's this season. That's, that's a, a requirement. You cannot afford mm-hmm. to lose any games to them. They finish off the month of May at 17-11, and 11, a significantly better month of May than they had last year when they went 10-18. and 18. But seven of those 17 wins came against Oakland. How do you measure up this month that the Mariners had? Because I think a lot of people kind of look at the Mariners and say, well, you have padded your record against a lot of sub-500 teams. But look, they have as many wins right now as they did on June 17th of last season. It's great that you got those wins against Oakland. Like you said, you had to. It's almost uh, expected at this point. You can also look at it in the context of the other teams around you. So while the month was good and while this homestand was great and they came off of it with, you know, 7 out of 10, that's fantastic. The problem is nothing is done in a vacuum. And so you look around the American League and it is ridiculously good this year. It's almost unfair how many teams are good in the American League because the Mariners were doing this in the NL – well, you're great. You're in good shape. You're maybe leading a division or something because the National League on a whole is pretty bad. But you look around the American League and there are all these teams uh, above 500. And the fact that the series that the Mariners have lost have come against those teams they're competing with in a wild card. So I don't know if you can really look and say that the Mariners have a good series win this year against a team that they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot with. Uh, all the way back at the start of May, yes, the Astros. The Astros have picked up a little bit, so you can hang your hat on that. But while you take the 7 out of 10 and you you pocket that and that's good, the Red Sox series lost, the Yankees series lost, the Rangers series lost. That kind of looms large. So I almost, not greedily kind of put it aside, but Curtis, I'm, I'm almost looking at the series as more of a Yankees and Rangers instead of the homestand because these are the teams that are going to be in contention and you're fighting with down the stretch. So the Yankees series, well, you got one. That puts a lot of pressure on the Rangers series to go and try to steal them starting this weekend. 
Mike Lefko, producer of Wyman and Bob, and also fellow pre- and post-game show host joining us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline right now. And Mike, looking at this upcoming road trip, you've got eight games against the Rangers, Padres, and Angels. And I think one common thread those three teams have is they like to spend. And that is how they are going to build their organizations out. They they obviously, you know, they've also developed some pretty good prospects along the way, too. But the Rangers, they've spent big the last couple off seasons. They've had great results. The Padres have spent big with varying results, and the Angels have spent big with no results to show for it. They have the longest postseason drought in baseball now. How do you feel about the way that these three teams have kind of gone about building out their organizations compared to the Mariners? Because, I mean, you look at the Rangers right now, and I think a lot of Mariners fans are envious that their rebuild has taken a considerably shorter amount of time than the Mariners' rebuild has. Yeah, the Rangers, uh, they spent everything and then some. Uh, last year, it didn't necessarily pay off immediately, but it, it's been a multi-year process. So when it does come to spending, I think you have to keep in mind that it might not be a quick spend-all, fix-all, as the Padres are experiencing, because the Padres had some splashy moves this offseason, and that's a team that uh, was on the cusp of making the World Series. They make the move that you think will put them over the top. Well, that puts immediate and increasing pressure on their team, and they've struggled. They're 25 and 30. So if you have the ability to kind of draw this out over multiple years like the Rangers have done, I mean, that's, that's a lot to ask, right, to spend, what, uh, close to a billion dollars like they've done over the, the past <laughs> two off-seasons. But we are seeing the results now because this team is coming to fruition. And you know what? They are getting a nice boost from some of their young, younger players, too. Josh Young has had a terrific year. I mean, he's, he's probably going to be an all-star, and it's his rookie season. So – you take those big bats, you get a nice rookie boost, and then the pitching is certainly flashy. Um, but the Rangers, right now, they are definitely the model for what spending can become. And it is, it is that glaring contrast of, well, maybe the Mariners didn't do enough because you can hold up the Rangers as having the second-best record in the American League and really chasing down the absurdly good Rays and say, look, this is what can happen if it continues. Yeah, it's just the offense has been so good for Texas. But you know what, Curtis, out of all the series this year, the back and forth, the ones the Mariners have lost, that one was pretty close. I mean, you can come away with that series thinking Mariners probably should have won every game against the Rangers. They didn't. They had some, some areas they didn't execute. But So I'm kind of fascinated to see how this pitching holds up and what the Mariners come away with this weekend because the Rangers have had all the flash. They have that great record to start. But uh, if the Mariners have found this leveling off and – if the momentum continues, I think they can come away with a series win here in Texas. Mike, you look at, at just the week that Julio Rodriguez has had in, in this homestand, uh, winning American League Player of the Week. He kind of he looks like he's fully back. He looks like the Julio Rodriguez that won the American League Rookie of the Year last season. What does a full strength Julio Rodriguez do to this team's ceiling? Well, I think. You and I agree, right? This is not uh, any earth-shattering news here, but Julio's the most important bat in that lineup. Facts. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah. Facts. He's, he, is the, he is the bat that everything revolves around. So to have him doing what he did last year in an all-star season, that was almost, uh, again, like we were talking about the A's, that was almost a must. And it was surprising when he wasn't doing that. But, oh, all right, it's his sophomore season. He's still early on in his career. So now that he's back to that, it's almost like you're starting over and saying, okay, what are the expectations now that Julio is performing close to a superstar, close to what we saw when, at times, he would carry this team last year. And he delivered some big hits, a huge one he had against the Rangers last year down in Texas. So maybe another grand slam is in the works this weekend. 
But yeah, Julio doing that is what the Mariners have to have if they're going to climb back into this playoff race, if they're going to try to chase down uh, the Rangers and maybe still the Astros for this division because the expectations are the playoffs and then to make some noise in the playoffs. And I don't think you could do that without Julio, regardless of how good everyone else is performing. I mean, Ty France being solid, J.P. Crawford has had a tremendous year. And then if you get a little bit of a boost from the bottom of the lineup, without that superstar, you can't really go where you need to. So Julio doing this is absolutely huge for the Mariners. He is Mike Lefko, fellow pre- and post-game show host on the Mariners Radio Network. Mike, really appreciate you dialing in from your paddleboard. Uh, I'll let you get back to it, and uh, I'll see you around the building tomorrow. How good was this connection from the water, right? Right on the paddleboard, uninterrupted, the wave washed over as well, and you didn't even know. Is a cruise ship about to uh, blast you with, with their horn here? I, I hope not. Uh, that would better, be, uh... Yeah, I better hang up before that happens. <laughs> appreciate it, Mike. You have a great rest of your evening. Thanks, Curtis. Always appreciate Mike Lefko stopping by. When we return on Extra Innings, Tim Kirkjian, ESPN MLB insider, longtime insider, he joined Bump and Stacy yesterday to talk about this Mariners team, where he sees them fitting in the American League, and also how active he expects them to be come trade deadline time. We take a listen to the best of that conversation coming your way right after the break. Curtis Rogers with you on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. Coming up a half hour from now, Kennedy Landry, who covers the Texas Rangers for MLB.com. She will join me as we preview this weekend series against the first place Rangers. But coming up right now, Tim Kirkjian, longtime ESPN MLB insider. He joined Bump and Stacy yesterday to talk about this Mariners ball club, how active he thinks they will be at the trade deadline. And also, where do they fit into the American League picture right now? And do they have a tough hill to climb going into the season's middle part? I think it's a little too early to worry. The Yankees, by the way, are really good right now. And Aaron Judge is swinging it better than he has all year, which is really saying something. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about the Mariners. I like their team. You're right. They're going to have to hit better than 230 if they're going to make it to the playoffs this year. I think the biggest concern for the Mariners is that the Rangers are really good in the same division. They are 15 games over 500 and have outscored their opponents by 128 runs. So that's another element, a new dynamic that you add to the American League playoff situation situation especially in the ALS the Rangers are good they're for real they're not going away so the the Mariners are gonna have to play a whole lot better if they're gonna make the playoffs but I think they're capable of it their pitching is really good they're just gonna have to find a way to score a few more runs how did the Rangers get to this point because Tim I gotta be honest I feel like we're used to watching them try and fail over and over I mean I'm saying that as a Mariners fan mind you but like how what do you see as their path to to doing this year what what they're doing well they made three major moves last year they signed Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager which gives them a great one-two punch at the top of the order and one of the best double play combinations in the major leagues. And both guys are high character, really competitive guys. That's where it all started. Then in the off season, they went and improved their starting pitching, signing Nate Ivaldi, who's had a great year. And of course, Jacob DeGrom, who is a dominant pitcher, still maybe the best in the game if they can ever get him out on the mound. He's been hurt an awful lot. 
So their starting pitching is now really good. They have the lowest starter starting pitcher ERA in the American League. That's that's impossible to believe, say, mm. two years ago. And then the third thing they did, of course, was they hired Bruce Bochy to manage the team. He will be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's won three championships with the Giants. And I promise you, the minute he walked in that door, everything changed with the Rangers. And most important, Chris Young, the general manager, told him, Boach, we want you to manage the team your way. A lot of managers don't get that kind of leeway in today's day and age. The front office kind of runs the managerial job, not in Texas. So Bruce Bochy, improved offense, improved pitching, that makes the Rangers for real. Tim, what do you think about the the core of this team? Um, you know, we're talking Julio Rodriguez, Jared Kelnick, you throw France in there, Cal Raleigh. Do you like the foundation of this organization? I do. Julio Rodriguez is a great player already, and I know he's only hitting 240 or so, but he's a guy you build around because talk about high-character guys. My goodness, they don't come any better than him as far as doing the right thing and being prepared for everything. But, again, they're going to have to score more runs. Remember, they made the playoffs last year with an exceptionally low uh, batting average, and they're hitting 230 right now. That's going to have to change, and they're going to have to find a way to score more runs. Kelnick's going to have to be this good, even better, as the season goes along. Ty France is going to have to hit more. Everyone's going to have to hit more in that lineup because, again, the Astros have tremendous pitching. We just talked about the Rangers, how good they are. The Angels are much better than they were last year. So the Mariners have their hands full making the playoffs, but it would really help if the core guys you talked about would start to hit a little bit more. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I'm I'm already thinking of a couple examples, but what are some of your personal favorite examples of teams that started off not quite meeting expectations and, and then kind of ended up meeting or surpassing them as the season went on? Well, all you have to do is go back to the 2019 uh Washington Nationals, they were 19 and 30. They were 11 games under 500, and they came back and won the World Series. You look at the Braves in 2020, the year 2021, the year they won the World Series, they didn't get to 500 until early August that year, and they won the World Series. So this beautiful game is littered with teams that don't look so good for two months, three months, and then turn it on. Just like this game is also littered <laughs> with teams that start off like a house of fire and then and then just crumble down the stretch. The obvious idea is to try to be as good as you can for the whole year. The Mariners have some work to do, but they proved to me last year there's they have something special on that team. They just have to make sure it comes out again this year. I don't know if you uh, how deep you are with the Mariners organization, but they find a way to develop these young arms. Um, what what do you see? Is there a characteristic that you see in all these pitchers? Is there something? Is there a method to their madness? How they've been able to discover these arms and develop them? Well, that's a hard thing to do. Drafting and developing good pitching and then making them even better is a very difficult thing to do. But you're right. The Mariners have done a great job of that. George Kirby is really good. He's got six walks and 51 strikeouts this year. To be this young and throw this many strikes is is very rare, and he's going to be 
He's a very good pitcher now. He's going to be a great pitcher before he's done. And I know Bryce Miller got pounded the other night, but he's got three walks, 31 strikeouts, and has been exceptional so far. So this is the future of the Mariners, is developing these young pitchers, getting them to the big leagues as quickly as possible. But again, they're going to have to get supported by a few more runs. Otherwise, great pitching isn't going to be enough. Uh, Tim, how common is it that a team's uh, success, either at the plate or as a pitching staff, is impacted by their park? It's a conversation that's been happening quite a bit here in Seattle when people were trying to think of, you know, why the sluggish start for this offense? I think people were looking at T-Mobile and the weather. Do those end up being as big of factors as we think they can, or do you think that that's saying too much? Um, No, I think park factors are real. That's a big ballpark. It's a difficult park in which to hit, especially when, um, especially early in the season. Um, But that will turn if you swing the bat better than they have to this point. I, I don't think it should be used as an excuse. Oh, our park's too big. We can't score runs here. You're going to stop the other team from scoring runs there also. So, yeah, it's part of it. Uh, park factor is real and sometimes it affects the Mariners that's part of the argument we hear Stacey and I spent a lot of time uh, trying to figure out why the Mariners haven't made a or didn't make a move this offseason a bigger move this offseason when it comes to a bat and people say well hitters don't want to come here because of the ballpark and the weather or whatnot Um, what's your assessment what do you think it is why don't you think the Mariners make these moves and is it as simple as people just don't want to come play here Well, I love Seattle. I think a lot of people would love to play there. But I'll I'll never forget that Eduardo Perez, former major leaguer, former Mariner, my teammate at ESPN, he's told me multiple times how difficult it is to play for the Mariners because they're so far out there. They're so detached from the rest of the major league teams. He said there are no short road trips for the Mariners. Every trip is a long trip. And when you take a cross country flight, um, that really wears you out coming and going. And I thought this is, that's too much of an excuse. And Eduardo said, look, I was there. I promise you when you have a travel day and it takes the entire day to do it, that eventually comes back to get you. Now, uh, if you have good enough players, that's not going to come back and get you, but it does factor in according to certain people including my dear friend Eduardo Perez. Uh, It's really really interesting hearing that mentality and that perspective because as uh, Bump's a former football player, I I don't have any professional athletic background, but we always do the same thing where we're like, is this just people kind of making excuses or is there a reality to it? It's always interesting to hear like, no, I know someone who experienced that and you wouldn't think it adds up, but it does. (laughs) I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of miles over the course of a season. Uh, All right. Well, um, my last question uh, for you, Tim, is uh, outside of the Rangers, we're taking a look around the rest of the American League to figure out, you know, who are we starting to watch here as we as we head into summer and and uh, and trying to make sure the Mariners can stay in this thing. Uh, are there any other surprise teams pushing for playoffs, I guess, in either league uh, that are surprising you? Well, the, the Mariners should be concerned because we've been over the AL West, how much better it is. I wouldn't worry about the Central. Only one team's coming out of there. But 
the, the bigger issue for the Mariners is the AL East because all five of those teams are over 500. All five of those teams have a plus run differential. All five of those teams are good enough to make the playoffs, even though I don't think the Red Sox are going to make it. There's a chance an outside chance that four teams from the AL East could make the playoffs. And that's because the Orioles are for real also, even more for real than the Rangers are. The Blue Jays have struggled lately, but they're pretty darn good too. The Rays have been the best team in baseball from day one this season, and the Yankees are rolling now, and I don't think that's going to stop anytime soon. So when you count up at least you count up four American League East teams, and then you add in, of course, one Central team, and then you have the Rangers and the, the uh, Astros in the West. Uh, the, there's not enough room for the Mariners in the playoffs unless they get it going and outplay one of these teams. It's going to be a difficult road, but I repeat, I like the Mariners. I think their pitching is going to be good enough to get them in the playoffs, but they've got some work yeah. to do. We're going to kick the door down. We're going to try to get in this thing, Tim. Right. Real, real quick, last one. Do we have enough? As this roster stands right now, do you think the Mariners have enough to make a run and a push? Um, I do, but this is this is where GMs earn all of their money when they get close to the trade deadline, where they have to make that decision. Are we in? Are we out? Are we going to be willing to, to sacrifice you know, some of our future to get somebody that can get us in the playoffs now, I think the Mariners will do that if the right person comes along. But I must tell you, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of help out there right now in the trade market, like a hitter that's going to come in and change the fortunes of the Mariners. I'm not sure there's a pitcher out there, maybe Eduardo Rodriguez of the Tigers, who just went on the injured list, that's going to make a big difference. So it may be smaller moves, but I fully expect the Mariners to be aggressive at the trade deadline because they can't tease their fans and make it one year for the first time in what, 21 years. And then, you know, not make it again for a few years. I I like what they're doing. And I think they'll be aggressive at the deadline. When we return on Extra Innings, Wyman and Bob were joined by Matt Brash earlier this week, a guy with one of the highest workloads of any reliever in baseball. And adding to that workload, he joined Seattle Sports yesterday. We take a listen to that coming up next, right here on Extra Innings. Curtis Rogers with you on Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network. You're listening to Extra Innings, Inside the Mariners, on the home of the Mariners, Seattle Sports. If you miss any portion of tonight's show, you can always download it at seattlesports.com or check out Extra Innings on the Seattle Sports app. And make sure you're checking out our weekly Mariners programming on this station. It doesn't get any better than right here at Seattle Sports. You have got Jeff Passan every single Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. with Brock and Salk. You've got the dugout Tuesdays from 1 to 2 p.m. where a Mariners coach, a Mariners broadcaster, and Shannon Dreyer stop by Bump and Stacy. That entire hour dedicated to baseball talk specifically about your Seattle Mariners. You've got... Jerry DePoto, the Jerry DePoto Show, Thursdays at 8.30 a.m., and then also three times a week at 4.45 p.m., Wyman and Bob sit down with a player for the Mariners player spotlight. And the guy who was in the spotlight yesterday is a guy that has really been in the spotlight for, for quite a while in this Mariners bullpen, and that's Matt Brash, a guy who came up with a little bit of fanfare last year, came up as a starter, moved to the bullpen in in the minor leagues, brought up at the end of last season, and really flashed, flashed to 
the point where, I mean, you could not stop the hype train surrounding him heading into this season. Now, Brash has had an up and down go of it. I think luck has not really worked in his favor. Uh, Also, the command has come and gone a few times. Rod Friedman, Pitching Ninja, who was on with us last time we gathered for Mariners Extra Innings, he had this to say about Brash's stuff being a blessing and a curse. I think that's pretty standard for a young pitcher, like especially with his stuff. It's tough to command stuff that moves so much. And, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, right? You have great movement, but also you have to figure out how to get it in the zone. The good thing is when he does, it's kind of unhittable. The bad thing is it's tough to it's tough to command. I think, you know, it's it's the battle of a young pitcher. You gotta have patience. And I know it's tough for fans, but command does isn't always the first thing to come. It's actually usually the last. And I think the Mariners do have that patience with Matt Brash because I mean, you look at his stuff. You look at when he is on, he is, like Rob Friedman just said, he's unhittable. He's one of the best relievers in baseball when he's able to command just the nastiness that that right arm is capable of. Matt Brash stepping up in Andres Munoz's absence, pitching in some very high leverage situations. Some have gone his way. Some have not gone his way. We take a listen to what Brash told Wyman and Bob yesterday about the success of the pitching staff overall this season as it's one of the very best in baseball. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of the guys look at the stats. We kind of just go in there and try to do our jobs. But um, we got a great group of guys. Everybody is doing their thing, like guys that got called up, guys that have been here. So, I mean, it's a fun group, and we, we go up there and get zeros for sure. Well, and the other thing, Matt, we were talking to Taylor uh, Saucedo the other day, and he was talking about the, the bullpen uh, and just the pitching coaches in general, how – they do such a good job and, you know, pointing out, uh, you know, different little things and your assets and this is what you need to do more of. I mean, it seems like the that that pitching staff, does that does that sort of uh, stand out to you, how, how good they are at their jobs? I mean, yeah, the coaches do a great job of giving us all the information we need to go out and uh, compete and do all that, whether it's um, kind of telling us what spots we're going to be in that game or, if you're looking at pitch design stuff or whatever it may be, uh, they do a great job. They always have, for sure. Matt, how how tough is it for a guy that has your arsenal, meaning you, the velocity you throw, the movement on your pitches is crazy, but it can work against you at times, obviously, in terms of command. How how much how how tough is that to sort of negotiate the amount of movement you've got on your pitches that can be incredibly deceptive, but if you don't have guys offering up at it, it, it can get you into a little trouble. Um, I mean, I think this year, especially, I've done a really good job being in the zone with everything. My walk her down, I'm first pitch strike her up, I'm in zone with my off speed. So, um, I feel like this year I've been doing my thing, feel really comfortable with my pitches. Obviously, haven't had the greatest results, not what I expect from myself, but, um, I'm feeling good, man. Fighters in the zone, curveballs getting in there, and then my velo's been good, so... Get back Man, I'm trying to remember who, who's the guy that you screwed into the ground. <laughs> the, no, what's his name from the uh, from the Guardians? From the Guardians. Um, yeah, yeah I think it was, it was Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, and you yeah. know, I don't know. We didn't get a chance to talk to you after that, but you looked away, like you turned around. You didn't even see it happen. Did you? Uh, did you hear about that? And did a lot of people? I'm sure that was big on social media. That was a a really good hitter that you you totally fooled him. Um. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that seems like forever ago. I think that was opening night. 
Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't even know what happened. I, I kind of just zone in on the mound, and I just saw him swing, and I'm just happy to get the strikeout. So I didn't really look into it too much. It wasn't until after that. I kind of saw what happened. Everyone texted me and all that. Yeah. I mean, are you a big social media guy, or do you try to stay off that during the season? No, definitely in season. I don't go on it very much. I'll take a look if someone sends me something, um, but I mostly try to stay off of it for sure. Yeah, it's probably a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Matt, just as far as your 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 mindset goes, I mean, you're you're a valuable part of this bullpen and even more valuable with Munoz out and, and all of that. But are you a guy that's still in the back of your mind feels like I'm a starter? I want to be in, in this rotation at some point or, or how do you, how do you view your role with the team just kind of moving forward? Um, I mean, I, I'm just taking taking it one day at a time. I'm I'm happy with my role here in the bullpen, and I think I play really well coming in with runners on and kind of whatever the Mariners want me to do right now. I mean, who knows what the future is going to hold? I mean, I still think um, I have potential as a starter. That's what I've always wanted to do and kind of what I did my whole life. So I still think it's in there, but right now I'm just happy to be contributing to this team and um, kind of doing my thing in the pen. Hey, Matt, so you guys are heading down to Texas. At, at what point, I mean, do you guys get scouting reports? Do you do you look at it on the plane? How many days before do you start, and what kind of meetings do you do you guys have to prepare yourselves for the next opponent? Yeah, um, I mean, it kind of depends on the guy. Some guys watch, like, video uh, on the plane or a couple days before on certain hitters. Um, we have a pre-series uh, reliever meeting the day of, kind of right before the game where we go over all the hitters and uh, kind of what plays to righties and lefties and how to get guys out. But um, a lot of guys in our pen, we kind of have our plan A, we call it. So what we're going to do when we need to get an out or get a strikeout, we'll um, execute that. So we try to keep it pretty simple. But if guys want more info and video and all that, it's definitely available for us. Matt, what what do you see with this this Yankee lineup that's – I mean, they've gone crazy the past two games. It's been it's been kind of rough out there. Is it? I mean, and they're going without you know Stanton, without Rizzo, and 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 what yeah. what is you know what what is it that makes it so tough? What is it? Obviously, Judge is Judge, but outside of that, what yeah. what makes them so tough? Um, I think they're just putting up good at bats, man. They, they they don't chase a lot. I think that's one thing is um, they have a really good game plan up there. They're not chasing stuff below the zone, and um, when we're making mistakes, they're hitting it, but. I mean, our, our pitching's been so good all year that, I mean, we were due to have some bad starts or whatever. Our starters have been amazing. So um, I think we just ran into a hot team, and they're seeing the ball well. But um, I, our guys are still throwing great. They're just putting putting good swings on pitches. Who's the funniest guy out there in the bullpen, Matt? Or is it you? Uh, <laughs> I would just say it's definitely not me. I'm more just a sit back and listen and – Chime in every once in a while. I, we got some characters down there. I mean, uh, Sauce has been great down there. I just got to know him this year, but um, he's definitely come out of his shell and talking a lot. And I mean, all the guys on there, the banter is pretty good. Um, and then Fest is back today, so he's always a good guy to have down there and keep the mood light until it's game time. And we kind of got to lock in, but the first couple of innings are always a blast for sure. Hey, so I just had a buddy text me and said, Hey, you know, Matt's a West Seattle guy. Is that, You live out in West Seattle? Yeah, I live in Bellevue right now. Oh, you live in Bellevue? Yeah, I live out in Bellevue, yeah. I, I oh. started in West Seattle at the beginning of the year, and then I, I moved to Bellevue just because I like the area a little bit better. But. I got you. Okay, because I'm, I'm a West Seattle guy. I was going to say we should hang out and be best friends. 
Hey, if you ever want to get it on a golf course, let me know. You guys, you guys want to go in the garage and do karate? Yeah, we could do. Yeah, we'll, we'll go break boards in the garage. All that. <laughs> no, but hey, just in terms of the season as a whole, what's what's been? Does this feel like, man, this is a decidedly better team than last year? Does it feel like, yeah, we still haven't found our rhythm? Where where do you kind of put this team where they're at now compared to last season? Um. I mean, I think we're in similar spots, kind of started out a little bit slow. Um, and then I feel like we're just going to hit our stride here coming up. Uh, we've been winning a bunch of series. We have two great series here. And then we're just ran into a hot Yankees team. But um, I think we got another great group of guys. It's, it's the main core still there. And we added some new guys. And uh, we're just trying to find a rhythm. But, I mean, um, we're, we're playing good ball. It, it, it's just a matter of time before we kind of turn it on like we did last year. I don't know if we're going to do that. 20 game win streak again, but we definitely try something like that. But no, it's a great group of guys, and we'll 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 get it going here for sure. That'd be really cool if you guys did that, though. I yes, think let's do it again. We're all on board for 20 games in a row. We're yeah, sign us up. I'm, I'm all in for that too. <laughs> hey, Matt, always always a pleasure to speak with you, man. Thanks so much for taking the time, and of course, we wish you nothing but the best out there. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. We've still got an hour of baseball talk to get to as we're on until 9 p.m. here on Mariners Extra Innings. Still to come in the 8 p.m. hour, Ryan Roland Smith, his conversation with Bump and Stacy. Jerry DePoto, he sat down with Mike Salk earlier this morning to talk about everything going on with the Mariners following their homestand, following their series against the New York Yankees. But up next, right around the break, Kennedy Landry of MLB.com. She covers the Texas Rangers for them. She joins me on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline to preview this upcoming series between the Mariners and Rangers. How have the Rangers been able to press fast forward on their rebuild and vault their way into first place at this point in the season? We get that answer from her. Coming up next, Curtis Rogers on Extra Innings. You're listening to Seattle Sports and the Mariners Radio Network.